There exists in the human being the will to the next breath, the next moment, I am alive. And then the experience of being alive, whether it is fulfilling, fearsome, troubling, dangerous, aspirational, inquisitive, helpful to another. We don't know exactly what the next breath and moment will bring, although we have a hesitancy toward that next moment. May it bring fulfillment. May I know myself, may I be safe, may I have some sense of existence that is alive and well and succeeding. <clears throat> or if we go through great anxiety fraught with suffering, we might think, I don't care. Who cares what happens to me? It doesn't matter. I hope something bad happens. And we start playing the next moment as if it were a melodrama of God. And so we angle our breath a certain way in the posture of the cells of our body. <clears throat> or we go driving forward in anguish of aggression. I'll win. I'll dominate. I don't care what anybody thinks. Yet in that solitude of existence as one human being who has been conceived and born, even if we're a twin or a triplet and we have other siblings who were born together with us, at a slightly different moment, although carried at the same time within our mother, <clears throat> within the soul and life of our father. We have a quality where usually we are slightly frightened of our own existence. And there's a beautiful concept of solitude. Solitude refreshed or recognized as embodied wisdom, where the next breath becomes one of Self-evident existent. I am self-reliant. I am self-reliant. I am relying upon myself in this moment, this breath becoming the next moment in breath. And within this arises a confidence of existing. I am here. It appears that I am alive. I have met the next moment, not with aggression or anguish, not with fear or competition, not with comparing myself to the last moment or a moment two breaths into the future or 40 years into the future or back into the past, but somehow it is well. No matter what my circumstances of life are, somehow I am relying upon a mysterious composition of what is within me which I understand, and what is within me and all around me, which is mysterious, which I don't understand. And I am taking my next breath, allowing those two principles to enact as one as I breathe. And then in a Hindu or South Asian terminology, we begin to be what is called self-born, S-E-L-F, with a capital S, self-born, born of the greater self, born of that which is existent in heaven, in life, in reality or creation. And there is a, there is a pause or moment into life. We, we stop and realize, oh, I have paused 
the ego. So if we go from last month's topic of hold still, we are holding still in the great pause at this time of 2021. And we realize, oh, there is a pandemic. There is apparently a small creature, not even a life form, but a partial life form moving all around the planet among all of humankind, causing us to pause and hold still and then take a breath. Our next moment, I am alive, grateful, or troubled, or positive, or arguing with myself, or affirming, or worrying. Next breath. And in that state, which is mysterious, it's always mysterious, but in that state, which is mysterious because we are projecting a great deal of meaning about the next moment onto whether the virus takes the life of ourselves or someone else, we are regarding everything around us through that tiny creature, that tiny COVID creature. And there are billions of viruses all around us, and bacteria and different kinds of creatures, including ourselves. <clears throat> and yet we seem to breathe very faithfully through many of them. But this one has our attention, that we might unmask our souls before God. We might unmask our characters before heaven. We might take the next breath appreciating that it exists. Oh, my lungs my pulmonary system that takes in oxygen and nitrogen and inert materials and all the aspects of the atmosphere around me and breathes it in and my lungs integrate this into my cardiovascular system that it moves through the clear and red parts of my blood, my plasma, my lymph system, my arteries and veins, my capillaries, out to the tiniest aspects of the cells of all parts of my form. And I breathe out. In that solitude of existence is being self-born, a quality which is studied in all of the great spiritual traditions, transcendence. Might I know heaven on earth? Might I be self-aware beyond just the valuing of my own ego, but including my own ego in self-worth, appreciation of my mind. May my mind be my friend. May my ego personality become one of noble character, affirming, courageous, maybe humorous or with gravitas or profundity. May I sculpt that ego personality until it becomes like a window open to heaven. I take the next breath. Oh, I seem to be so gratefully breathing 
through the COVID period, my solitude begins to become one of recognizing that in the mystery of my life, I am aware and practicing virtue and embodying to the best of my capacity the principles of that virtue upon the earth at this moment, at this breath, in this day, throughout this night. And so right through my breath and all the cells of my body, I am practicing transcendence, that I recognize the quality of self-reliance throughout my being for the sake of who I am and the sake of all of the communities around me throughout the earth. What does this feel like? I would say it has a slightly wondrous quality to it, a slightly wondrous capacity. Oh, I'm, I'm very fully alive. If in that moment of self-reflection, a healthy self-reflection, my ego personality has self-worth, dignity. And how are you? We find that your breath and my breath are bowing to the Creator through one another, bowing to something great, what the Hopi call that great one, what many people call God in so many names, he, she, that. And we are breathing and experiencing an intuition, a feeling of perception, a transcendent capacity to know and to be quite still and harmonious and to experience this in the heart and soul and then take responsibility to enact this in our next gesture of life. What a beautiful path to move through a disease which could take our lives, but has not yours or mine at this breath, at this moment. We can then allow prayer or aspiration in a secular way or a spiritual way, but we can allow prayer. And for those who are very argumentative about God or heaven, we can just allow positive thought and causation May the universe be well in all ways. And then may each being, according to his or her or their precepts of traditional faith, find through this current breath into the next breath, self-reliance. Mysterious. Natural. A quality of internal posture the greatest gift one could give back to a God, to a creator, to the universe, to oneself, to one's parents, ancestors, spouse or partner, siblings, children, colleagues, all of humankind, all animals, all plants, all of creation. It is a very natural experience, and yet we are so intricate in our history of scarring that we tend to avoid 
this dimension of awakening. We study instead a Buddha, a Jesus, a Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him. We study Guru Nanak. We study many beings of history, from Moses to a great medicine woman. And we find if I could be like them, I would know how to safely navigate this path. And yet we can't do it exactly in their way because they were the individual self of their own soul embodied. We can do it beside them. And yet in our next breath, we must let go and walking beside them, take our own breath and let the mystery of heaven move through us as it did through them. Knowing that in our heart and soul and cells of our body, we might be part of a community beside them. So we embody a principle that is both self-reliant, one's own solitude, and yet a principle which is in community with other beings, so that a transcendent experience is private, and yet a transcendent experience is between us, shared, where we recognize something eternal or vast, filled with an ecstasy, an existence of love manifest, life. Oh, I didn't know it was safe to do this. No one taught me, or not enough people taught me, or there weren't enough moments when other people made it safe for me to practice this in prayer and in the practices of the virtues of my life. So I would note that this would be a very good time while the COVID pandemic has the attention of the entire human race, it would be a very good time for an individual to practice this in prayer and life. And when we encounter any other human being, whether in our dreams, the causation of the plans of our day, our thoughts, our needs, our familial relationships, our neighborhoods, our varied communities of work and life, we bow to this capacity in every single human being. And we attend that in another being. Are you thirsty? Would you like some juice with me? And we allow the person the responsibility of their own solitude or their own self-reliance beside us. Yes, I would love some. Oh, no, thank you. I don't like that kind. Would you like something else to drink? No, thank you. We've allowed ourselves to meet through thirst, to answer caretaking one another, as if it were our mother's milk from heaven, nourishing that other tiny baby and ourselves from the first breath. What occurs to stop us from an adequate self-reliance or an incomplete solitude realized or awakened, and what therefore stops us from encountering and representing this with one another, is we 
keep score of the way in which we did not safely experience transcendence from our conception and birth to this moment. And then we justify it as if it were a game. You lost. No, I lost. Well, we always both lose, don't we? And then we don't share our thirst, nor do we share the divine quenching our thirst through the universe. This is available to us at any moment. <clears throat> I knew a gentleman who is no longer alive, who had been in a concentration camp in World War II. He had a younger brother who was quite ill, <clears throat> and they were able to hoist him over the roofs at Auschwitz, uh, and he could crawl across the roof line and down the side of the building until he got better and was able to live then through the war with the care of his older brother beside him. And when they would be very hungry, the older brother would tease the younger brother, oh, such a beautiful morning. You know, we're going to have grandmother's poppy seed cake, my favorite. And the younger brother would say, stop, that's so mean. And the older brother would say, no, no, we'll be so nourished by it. You know, the way she would make it warm and filled with her love and delicious flour and the seeds and it would be so strong it'll be just wonderful he stayed attuned to a transcendent quality of the community of his ancestors feeding his soul and heart nurturing his younger brother through the war after the war they walked to the a place in geography of their old village and everyone was gone. They grieved. They went to the Netherlands, <clears throat> were taken in as refugees, and eventually came to the Los Angeles area of the United States. And he laughed many years ago telling me, then I was too poor. I would look in the windows of bakeries and think, oh, what I would do for, for one of those cakes or whatever the sweets were, or bread products he was seeing. He said, I just had enough to barely live on, so I never went into bakery at those times. He said, and then I became a very successful man, and I could eat things from any bakery I wanted. And he laughed and said, but my digestive system was so troubled for those from those difficult years, I couldn't eat those products any longer. He was unable to tolerate certain foods, and yet he was able to tolerate others. And so he sustained his self-reliance so that the transcendent movement of this great mystery, whatever we want to call it, never left him. The quality of nectar from his grandmother's soul to his. And from some ancestor of yours to you, and me. And then we share human community greater than any scar we have ever experienced and allowing it to be unnecessary for us to cause a scar from us to another ever again. We can remove our masks and say, no matter what I have undergone, I have the self-reliance to be responsible, not to scar you. I want that transcendence to move through me, soul, heart, and breath, 
into the cells of my body this moment and every moment. I want that for you also. And then at this time when there's been so much argument between cultures, among races, shared by nations, this one hostile to that one, this one dominating another, doesn't last. We're never really dominant. We're never really submissive. We don't retain a posture as winner or loser, slave or owner. So if I speak with someone about, I've been reading a great deal about slavery recently, and I will go back to who sold this person and what happened to the descendant of that person? How is all of it unknotted beyond the scars that are so currently argumentative? Emerson, who was one of our first American philosophers, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, wanted to get rid of slavery from when he was a young boy. He didn't really start working on it actively till he was a mature man in his late 20s and early 30s. And he underwent two experiences as a young man, which helped form this. Even as a little boy, he would actually dream about helping unknot slavery so that it might end. And he was in the Caribbean in San Augustine. No, he was in Florida, in San Augustine, Florida, as a young man. And he went to a church service. And he famously said that out of one ear, he could hear the preacher speaking in an edifying way about that Sunday and what one was to do and praising heaven and praising God and the, the religious prayers of his particular congregation. He said, and through my other ear, from the window, the open window, he could hear a slave auction and the auctioneer calling out the amount of money the particular human being was being sold for. He was listening to the transcendent and the places where all of humanity was still scarred. The person who kidnapped the slave, the person who brought the slave to Florida, the person who was selling the slave, the person who was buying the slave, and the slave himself or herself. And so until all of it is unknotted, the hatred we express toward ourselves or toward one another causes us to leave our self-reliance and our responsibility for that, to see ourselves beyond enslaving one another in any way ever again. We've held slaves throughout society. Most Native American tribes had slaves from other tribes. And then when People started traveling from Europe, European slaves, African-American slaves. And we have had throughout Europe, in almost every European culture, enslaved peoples, from Scandinavia to all of the Mediterranean region, all across Africa, all across Asia. How shall we unknot this so that in the next breath, every human being on the earth partially experiences the transcendent because of how you breathe and how I breathe 
and how we bow to that great mystery in one another. Oh, you who have come here from heaven, just like myself who have come here from heaven, through the womb of our mothers and the cells of our fathers, to breathe and be self-reliant, responsible, community, humanity.